You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Buffalo Bills made short work of the Patriots on Thursday night football to get things started for week 13, and now it's the Pick'em Show. Hello. I wasn't sure I was going to do this show tonight. It's almost 10 o'clock on Saturday. Nobody listens to this show anyway, so... Wasn't quite sure if I was going to step in the booth. I'm just kidding. There are some people that listen to this show. Uh, So I'm going to do this show for myself and for those few people. Uh, Week 13 is a very interesting week, matchups-wise. I'm not going to talk too much about the Bills game because... I already did an entire podcast on the Bills, so we're going to talk a little bit about it, and then uh, we're just going to move straight on into the picks. After review, the results of the play is first and 15. I have 15 minutes on the clock, although I'm fairly certain I am not going to need all 15 minutes. Uh, I already talked about this game at length, uh, and it... It wasn't competitive. Uh, The only thing that had me hesitant was all the injuries the Bills are dealing with, and it looked like they could potentially be without six to eight of their starters. Most of those guys played, except for Vaughn Miller, who is out with the MCL injury, and Deion Dawkins, who I think it's an ankle injury, uh, was not in at left tackle. And that proved to be, you know, kind of a headache for them. But they made do. Um... Patriots went three and out to start the game. Bills uh, won the coin toss, deferred, got the ball, scored, went up 3-0. Uh, and then New England had like a tiny little baby drive. And uh, Ramondre C- Stevenson fumbled, and they were fortunate to recover. And then on the next play, they hit a 50-yard screen pass touchdown to their kick returner, Marcus Jones. So he's going to be in the game a lot more. But the Bills responded to that with a touchdown. And then the Patriots went three and out again. Then the Bills scored another touchdown. The Patriots went three and out again. Then the Bills went three and out. Then the Patriots went three and out. And it looked like the Bills were about to really put the nail in the coffin. Um, And Allen connected with Diggs on like a 41-yard touchdown on a kind of rollout right deep throw. And it was gorgeous. But it it ended up getting called back on a holding penalty. And I, I don't know. Let me see. It was the... No, it was the second play after that. Uh, So they were in a second and 20. They got half of it back. And then on third and 10, uh, that left tackle issue popped up. And New England came away with a sack fumble. And they were able to get a hold of the football around midfield. And then they just put together another tiny little baby drive. uh, Like 30 yards, not even, 29 yards. Right before the half ended. And Folk, Nick Folk, missed a 40-yard field goal. And it looked good. He was just short. Landed right on the crossbar. Popped out. So uh, Bills took one shot at it before the half. Uh, didn't go down. So they just took the knee and took the ball going into the second half up 17-7. They started running the ball. So they you know, put the clock and the Patriots on their heels. Forced the Pats to have to try to throw. Which I said if they want to win this game. Just dedicate your resources to taking away the run. Make Mac Jones have to beat you. That's what they did. Mac Jones couldn't do it. They trade punts to start the second half. Then the Bills score a touchdown. They're up 24-7. And the game's basically over at that point because there's, uh, I don't know, eight minutes left in the third quarter, and the Patriots are not able to really do anything with the ball. And uh, the Bills scored that drive when they got the ball with eight minutes, 15 plays, 94 yards, nine minutes, ended the third quarter. Uh, excuse me, the third quarter, took them into 
the beginning of the fourth with New England down 24-7. New England goes four plays and punts, and they trade punts, and then New England gets a meaningless field goal. And my favorite part of the game was the Bills uh, ended up getting the ball back after they recovered an onside kick when uh, the Patriots kicked off after their field goal that made it 24-10. And Gabe Davis recovered the kick, ran out of bounds, and then the Bills came out and they lined up. Minute 54-ish left on the clock. Patriots have all three timeouts. And the Bills get in victory formation and take a knee. And the Patriots do not call timeout. And to me, that was super sweet. Because it would, it just signaled to the fans, to the Patriots, everybody watching that game, that this is out of reach. You guys don't have a chance. And what are you going to do? Are you going to call timeouts and then put together another garbage drive? So... It was a moment where Sean McDermott kind of lifted his leg on uh, Gillette Stadium there a little bit, and the Bills kind of gave the old uh, middle finger to the Patriots. I mean, they didn't actually do it like that, but it's a situation where 95, 99 times out of 100, when you're down two scores... And you can call three timeouts and get the ball back with probably a minute and a half left in the game. You're going to take that chance. But Belichick wasn't even interested. He had seen enough from his team. He knew they weren't going to win that game no matter what happened. And he just let the clock run out. And that was a bad sign uh, to the fans in attendance for sure. Uh, they were not happy with it. There was a lot of boos uh, just with their overall play selection. And, you know, if I was a Bills fan, I can't say I blame them. Because you're still kind of in the hunt. I mean, you're a 6-5 and five team right there. This is a division game. You let your opponents come in here and just take a knee with two minutes left and tell you the game is over and you just accept it. Uh, I would probably be booing in that situation as well. But nonetheless, Bills dominated. Uh, they ran the ball really well. Allen only had to throw the ball 30-ish times. And I think he was like 66% completions, two touchdowns, about 250 passing. So they run the ball well Josh Allen can just be efficient and make plays and he doesn't have to throw the ball 50 times and try to win every game like a superhero it's very nice Bills are very dominant when they play that way so hopefully they continue to do so um, but that's really all there is to say about that so let's get into the picks before I fall asleep in the studio two minutes to win it okay first game on deck is the Steelers Four and seven Steelers who are two and four on the road at the Atlanta Falcons who are five and seven. They are four and two at home. And this is an even matchup, even money. Uh, both teams are minus 110. Over under is 42 and a half. Uh, and I see why. The Steelers have started to uh, figure out who they are a little bit more, even in their loss to Cincinnati. They scored 30. In their win over Indy, they scored 24. Uh, Atlanta lost last week to Washington, a low-scoring affair against a good defensive front, which the Steelers have. Uh, but Mariota threw, a, well, he threw an interception at the end of the game that could have been the go-ahead or uh, the game-winning touchdown. So a little tough to tell. Uh, them being in Atlanta, I don't think favors the Falcons as much as... It would if it were, say, the Atlanta, uh, the Falcons on the road at the Steelers. So I think them playing in a dome kind of negates uh, the home field advantage. The question for me just really is TJ Watt going to play? He's questionable again, uh, and they're just so much better and so much more dynamic of a defensive front when Watt is out there that that ultimately is the determining factor for me in this game. Both teams given up almost 400 yards of offense to their opponents. In terms of offensive output themselves, they're about the same at 332 and 331 each. Uh, the only thing is points per game, which the Steelers have struggled to score all year. But now that Kenny Pickett is starting to get more comfortable, and he's going to have an opportunity here against the defense that gives up almost 25 points a game, it's a better spot for him. And, yeah, if TJ Watt plays... I probably just have to roll with the Steelers because of his ability to uh, wreck a football game. But since it's even money, I don't have to pick against the spread, and I will take the 
over at 42 and a half also. Rids picks. You know, Rids loves a home team. She's taking the Falcons. Next game on deck is the 4-8 Green Bay Packers, who are 1-5 on the road, headed to Chicago. 3-9 Bears, who are 2-3 at home. Green Bay, according to the ESPN index, is a 63.1% favorite in this game. 4.5 point favorite uh, on the spread. Minus 195 money line. And I don't know why. I mean, the Bears have lost five in a row. But the Packers have lost four of their last five. I guess maybe the Packers are just scoring more, so that's what they're looking at. But realistically, on the course of the season, that's not the case. You know, the Bears have put up 24, 30, 32, and 29. Uh, they also put up a 10. The Packers went 17, 9, 31, 17, 33. Uh, in terms of yardage, they're slightly better. In terms of points given up per game, they're slightly better. Um... They don't run the ball nearly as well as the Bears, but the Bears have Justin Fields, and it looks like he's going to be back in the lineup uh, this time. He doesn't have an injury designation right now. He's not on the injury report. We know the shoulder's an issue. Uh, it's it's tough for me in this game to see the Packers as four-and-a-half-point favorites, especially when they're four-and-eight against the spread. Um, I don't think the weather is going to bother them too much because it's cold. They just own the Bears for some reason. So even with Justin Fields playing well uh, and coming back into the lineup, you've got to think that his shoulder injury is going to be a concern. If he takes the wrong kind of sack at the wrong time, that's going to be a huge problem uh, for him. But he's got more rushing yards on fewer carries uh, than Aaron Jones and three times as many touchdowns. So there's no secret what the Bears... Uh, want to do with him as their quarterback it's just like you're putting him in danger if he's really got a shoulder injury to be playing that way I think at four and eight maybe the Packers still have one last hurrah in them to think that they are uh, playoff bound but David Bakhtiari is out in this game but realistically what else is new for the Packers he's he hasn't played much over the last couple of seasons uh, Darnell Savage is doubtful Devondre Campbell's questionable, Romeo Dubs questionable as well. And then with the Bears, it's really like you're missing your safety and Jaquan Brisker and your cornerback Kyler Gordon. Eddie Jackson's on IR. So their secondary is a little chewed up. I don't know if Green Bay is super capable of uh, taking care of that, but I think with the addition of Christian Watson to this offense, they have a weapon and they have the diversity at running back to give them an edge here and with Khalil Herbert being on IR and Chicago being a little bit uh, more dependent on fields running I think the Packers can find a way to strategize themselves a win I don't like them to cover four and a half though just because of history and we'll see if I can break the Packers curse so Packers uh but Bears plus four and a half. And what is the over-under on this game? It is 45. We'll say over. Rids picks. Rids loves the Bears, but she's not right often. Next up, we have the four and seven Jacksonville Jaguars, who are one and four on the road, going to Detroit, who's four and seven, but two and four at home. This is another... Uh, basically even money game both teams are minus 110 on the money line the lions are minus one and i think that just changed because uh i don't know 20 30 minutes ago this was a uh, an even money game so a little bit of money's come in on the lions lately to move the line this is a tough game to pick you know both teams are four and seven neither team is good uh both of these teams have had their ups and downs it's an over under of 51 so they're expecting a shootout jags give up 20 or excuse me they uh, put up 22 a game lions at 25 uh, but the lions give up 28 where the jags only give up 21 offensive output almost identical uh in both passing and rushing attack and then you look at uh the defense and at least the jags have a much better run defense uh only giving up 114 
you look at the Lions and they give up 154 yards on the ground and with Travis Etienne stepping back into this game, they said he's good to go. He's listed as questionable, but I don't know uh, how bad the injury was. They seem to hold him out uh, as a bit of a precautionary measure. And I know the Lions were hot and they had won, you know, three in a row going into that Bills game and they had played a close game with Miami as well before that. And then the Jags, who are basically in every game, but if they uh, are held below 20 points, it's not a game their defense can win for them. So they lost to the Giants 23-17. They lost to Denver of all teams 21-17. They beat the Raiders because they scored 27. They held Vegas to 20. Then they lose to Kansas City 27-17. So they tend to score 17 points often. And I don't think that that's going to be enough against... Detroit, but the Jags also have confidence. They just beat Baltimore 28-27, and they kind of played free and reckless. Not reckless, but they played like they weren't afraid to lose, and that's important. So if they can bring that same mentality in, they're going to have a good chance. Um, I think they're basically out of the AFC playoff picture realistically. So Detroit has to try to find a way to hold serve here, and they're getting Jamison Williams in the offense for a change uh their rookie who's been out basically the whole season uh you know deandre swift is listed as healthy so they have a little bit more option there um i'm hopeful that detroit can win uh then with the money coming in at them and just moving them to a one-point favorite in a game that's uh 51 the Jags probably should have lost to the Ravens, and the Ravens fell asleep at the wheel. Detroit had a real chance to beat a good Buffalo team, and they're at home. They get a chance to redeem that. So I am going to end up taking the Lions, even though I think uh, the Jags probably have a decent day against that defense. I'll take the Lions. Uh, it's a one-point spread, so Lions to win, Lions to cover, and yeah, for fun, we'll say uh, over 51. Reds picks. Rid says Lions. Next up, we have arrived in the Mike White era once again as the 7-4 Jets, who are 4-1 on the road, travel to Minnesota to take on the 9-2 Vikings, who are 5-1 at home. This is a game that should be a pretty good game, actually. Uh, you know, the Jets have overperformed. They've made the move to... Mike White, so it's official that the Zach Wilson era uh, is done. Uh, you know, they lost 10-3 to New England, and New England just kind of owns them and has historically owned Zach Wilson, so that wasn't really a surprise uh, outcome-wise. And the Jets had their bye week in here recently as well, but if you're looking at injuries, you know, they had already lost um, Brees Hall, for the year now michael carter's doubtful so it's going to be ty johnson who you know he almost was the starter a couple years ago but then they have zonovan knight who was a hot commodity on the uh, fantasy football waiver wire uh but they are dwayne brown may not play so that could be a problem for them with uh one of their other o-linemen out the Vikings, uh, Christian Derisaw is out at left tackle. Uh, but other than that, pretty healthy overall. They've been good at home. They they tend to give up more points than the Jets. The Jets have a good defense. Uh, they allow almost 100 fewer yards a game than Minnesota, which could be a problem. And I would have figured it to be maybe more of an issue when... Uh, the Jets had Brees Hall and it's not like Michael Carter's bad but Hall was on his way to being rookie of the year having a pretty damn good uh, season at the time that he got hurt it's sad to see him go down and I don't know I I, I kind of need the Jets to lose a little bit but not that badly uh, Minnesota is won four out of their last five their only loss was that ugly uh, beat down at the hands of Cowboys the Jets have won three out of their last five, but uh, the majority of those are close, except for really beating up on a Bears team that basically threw in the towel as soon as Justin Fields was injured and couldn't take the field. Uh, so I just think even if the Jets defense plays well and is able to keep this game close, 
similar similar to what they did in the Bills game, uh, the Bills made a lot of mistakes that the Jets were able to punish. And so, like, even if they play well here and they more or less keep the Minnesota offense in check, I just think Minnesota's got more in terms of polished playmakers and uh, just experienced offense. So if the game is close, I think it ends up favoring Minnesota more than New York. I'll have to take Minnesota in this one. They don't cover the spread uh, more often than not. So minus three is a lot in a close game. Over under of 44 and a half. I'll take, Minis- I'll take Minnesota to cover the three and over 44 and a half. Rids picks. Rids, of course, likes the Vikings at home. Next up, we've got the seven and five commanders who are four and two on the road at the seven and four giants who are four and two at home. This is going to be an interesting game. It's a NFC East showdown, which it seemed like Washington was basically out of the conversation in this division, you know, a month ago, but now they've won like six of their last seven. Uh, They're definitely in the conversation now. And I think more than anything, the Giants, uh, they are decimated by injury. Um, You know, they had already lost Shepard. Then they lost Wandale Robinson for the year as well. Kenny Galladay is questionable right now, along with Darius Slayton and Richie James and their tight end, Daniel Bellinger. Uh, Their left guard, Josh Izudu is out. His backup, Shane Lemieux, is out. Uh, John Feliciano, ex-Bill, who's their center right now, he's questionable. Mark Lewinsky at right guard, he's questionable. Adoree Jackson's out. Um, at left corner, Dane Belton questionable. His backup, Xavier McKinney's out. Fabian Moreau uh, at right corner is questionable. So a lot of just like key pieces that are not 100%. And then you look at Washington, like, okay, Trey Turner's out at right guard, and Antonio Gibson is questionable, but they can get along with Brian Robinson and Gibson playing backup. Chase Young's still questionable, but that defensive front has really started to come together. Benjamin St. Juice missed the last game as well, I believe. So I don't think Washington's any worse for wear than they were uh, last week heading into their matchup with Atlanta that, you know, they won with defense. Houston didn't like blow the scoreboard off but defense wins football games and 23 10 philadelphia they beat them with running the ball and playing defense they lost to that minnesota team in a close game for that same reason i mentioned in the last one and they beat uh indy 17 16 so for them it's really defense run the ball don't make mistakes look at the giants like they've given up 28 31 uh 16 27 17 so they're giving up a lot more just in the last couple of weeks. Um, So like you're just seeing a shift between where the Giants were to start the season and where they are now. I see the commanders have now uh, secured a little two point cushion as favorites in this game. And I understand that they're minus 130. Yeah, they're just playing better football right now. It's not that the Giants can't win. It's that it's really hard for them to win with all their injuries and I think that game against Dallas last week might have been like a last-ditch effort for them to try to secure a, a chance at the division lead. And, you know, now they're kind of like stuck, not in free fall, but they've lost three of their last five, and their only two wins are against teams that have a combined, I think, five wins. So not really great. Uh, and they're playing a pretty good team here, so... I'm going to take Washington on the road, minus the two, and I will take the over at 40 and a half. Rids picks. Rids likes the Giants. Next, we have seven and four Tennessee Titans, who are four and two on the road, traveling to Philadelphia to take on the 10 and one Eagles, who are five and one. Their only loss coming at home to the aforementioned Commanders. Looks like the uh, ESPN analytics have this as a 71% Philadelphia win. Uh, They're four-point favorites. um, Minus 210. Over under 44. And I understand. Like, you look at what the Eagles like to do, and they run the ball like crazy. You know, they they predicate their whole offense around being able to run the ball. They put up 162-yard rushing yards a game. 
thanks in part to Jalen Hurts. Um, but they also throw for 230 a game. That's not bad. They average almost 400 yards of offense. Uh, I'm just looking at what the Titans defense, they give up a lot of passing yards, but they're very good against the run. So I'm looking at the Titans last five and they lose to the Bengals who are in the Super Bowl and they lose to the Chiefs who are in the AFC title game. So those aren't bad losses at all, but their wins are Green Bay, Denver and Houston, which are not very good. The Eagles, on the other hand, have also beaten Green Bay. They barely beat Indy. They lose to Washington. They also beat a bad Houston team and a bad Pittsburgh team. So you're looking at two teams who have not really played uh, exceptional football teams lately. And the Eagles lost to the only really good team, the only team with a winning record they played in the last six weeks. And the Titans have lost both of the games they played to teams with winning records in that time. So it's just that time of the season. Uh, it's going to be semi-cold out in Philly. And I thought that would be a detriment to the Titans last time. So I'm not going to go there this time. Titans also run the ball really well because they got Derrick Henry and the Eagles give up about 120 rushing yards a game and the Titans average a little over 120. So I think the blueprint that we saw Washington use against Philly is doable. And with the Eagles being 10 and one, like they're clearly in first place. Uh, even if they lose, they have the tiebreaker over Minnesota and they can probably still get the number one seed overall. They could probably still finish with the best record in football. It's hard to stay winning all the time. I completely understand why the, the notion is out there that you're, uh, or that most people are picking the Eagles in this game. It's a tough game for me to pick, to be honest, because, you know, I, I want to pick the Eagles because that's the easy answer. Um, but of all of the matchup styles that would present problems for them them losing to Washington who I would say probably has a little bit uh, worse defense on the season up front at least than Tennessee and they probably have a slightly worse uh, their run game's probably a little bit better but I mean it's Derrick Henry so what are you gonna what are you gonna do um, and I would say Tannehill is better than Heineke so if the Titans can play the kind of football that they did against Green Bay and just shut down the Philadelphia run, it's going to be an interesting game. And I'm not 100% confident uh, in the Titans, but I have a pretty good feeling that nobody else is going to take the Titans. So if there's a game that I want to try to steal, this is going to be it. Um, so we'll take the Titans. Uh, so obviously they would cover the four points uh, in that equation and win outright and we'll say probably over 44 rids picks rids also takes the titans uh-oh next up it is the three and eight denver broncos who are one and five on the road headed to baltimore who is seven and four and three and two at home i don't want to look into this one too much because i don't want to overthink it and try and rationalize myself into taking denver yet again they're also three and eight against the spread in a game where they are nine and a half point underdogs. Uh, Ravens are four, six and one. It just seems like the Broncos, like they come out and they're able to like get one touchdown and then the defense locks into what they want to do. And that's basically it. So I, I have zero faith in the Broncos right now. If they win this game, I'm going to be super bummed because now the curse will have moved to them. Uh, I picked them last week. I don't know why. And they lost. So you know, they score less, uh, they give up slightly less, but not by a ton. They put up less yardage. Uh, they give up less yardage, too. So their defense is better, technically, but they just don't score. I don't even know what their highest scoring game this season is. They scored 21 against Jacksonville. Now I'm curious. I'm going to look. They scored 21 against the Jags, and they lost to the Raiders when they scored 23. So really terrible numbers in general it looked like against tennessee a couple weeks back uh where russell wilson threw for 286 uh, and then he he threw for 247 and he had a stretch where he went 250 286 247 it looked like all of a sudden things were at least maybe looking up for them he dropped back to 142 against carolina last week so i am taking the ravens and i think i'm gonna take the ravens to cover the nine and a half 
and we'll say under 39 and a half. Rids picks. Rids taking the Ravens. Next up, we've got uh, the Browns on the road. Uh, they're four and seven, one and four on the road. Headed to Houston, who is one nine and one overall, oh four and one at home. This is another game I don't want to put too much thought into. I mean, if there was gonna be a game that Houston was gonna get up for and really like give their all and sell out to win a game, it would be this game. But they're one nine and one for a reason, and the Browns are coming off beating Tampa Bay on the road in a game they probably shouldn't have won. They're technically still alive for playoff contention it's gonna they're gonna miss david and joku i think a little bit um but you know they scored 23 against the bills as well i mean a lot of that was garbage time scored 20 on the ravens uh they got throttled by miami pretty good but you know they outscore houston by more than a touchdown they put up about 100 more yards of offense they give up about 40 less on defense so you know with Brandon Cooks and Derek Stingley Jr. out for Houston already, you're just looking at whether or not, like, Houston is going to commit to basically trying to ruin Deshaun Watson coming back. And, I mean, if I'm Cleveland, just, I don't even care about Watson. Just give the ball to Chubb. Let these guys win the game against the horrible run defense, giving up 168 yards a game. There's no way the Browns should lose. Even if they play their worst football and Houston plays their best football, the Browns should still be able to find a way to win the game. Rids picks. Rids likes home teams, though, and she's going Texans. Next up, Seattle Seahawks. They are 6-5, and 3-3 three and three on the road. At the super disappointing LA Rams, 3-8, and eight, who are 2-4 and four at home. Yes, it's Bobby Wagner's first time facing Seattle, but here you've got a situation where Matt Stafford is on IR for concussions. Uh, They're already without Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson's lost for the season. Now Lance McCutcheon is out as well. So their receiving core is just absolutely decimated. John Wolford is going to start here instead of Bryce Perkins. Uh, But then Aaron Donald's out, and Terrell Lewis is out. So really all the all the rams all the super bowl rams are out of this game uh so okay bobby wagner i you know you probably have a good game against your old team but other than that like seattle's still in contention here they need to win uh a winnable game for them as san francisco is you know in a position to maybe get a leg up on them if they don't win uh if seattle wants to keep pace they got to win this game on the road it's a very winnable game for them and seattle always plays la tough so i really have no reason to think the rams can win this game hopefully they don't become one of my cursed teams as well but seattle minus seven i'm pretty comfortable with that and i'll take the over at 41 rids picks rids is taking the rams though next up we get what is maybe the game of the week as the Eight and three, Miami Dolphins, who are three and two on the road, head to San Francisco to take on the seven and four 49ers, who are four and one at home. ESPN has this as a 64% Niners win. Um, they are four and a half point favorites, and they barely above 500 in covering the spread, minus 220, over under a 45 and a half. Based on the San Francisco defense giving up less than 16 points a game, I've I've got to take the under, I think. And I know the Dolphins have a tough offense to deal with, and they score about 26 points a game. They also allow 24 points a game. Actually, 23-3, to be fair. Uh, but the Niners score 23 points a game, so their offense is comparable, but their defense is a lot better. And looking at the last five Dolphins games, you've got Houston, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, Pittsburgh. All sub-500 teams, all teams that have struggled mightily, all teams, for the most part, that don't have good defenses. And Pittsburgh, who's the only team that has like a moderate defense, held them to 16 points, and I think that was Tua's first game back from the concussion too, so maybe a little gray area there. But if there's any team that's going to be able to give 
Miami headaches up front, it's the 49ers. They just shut out the Saints. Um, they dominated Arizona. They took a close game from the Chargers, and they dominated the Rams. The only game they lost was to the Chiefs, and so that may be a little bit concerning if you're a Niners fan that the Chiefs were able to put up those kind of points on them. But the Chiefs' offense is a lot more complex than the Dolphins'. The Dolphins run a very quick, strike, smart offense, and it takes advantage of what Tua does well, but it's not quite as uh, textured as the Chiefs. So, you know, the the Bills fan in me wants the Dolphins to lose, and I just I think the Niners have a pretty good shot at that because the Dolphins haven't played a good team in over a month. So, I mean, the Niners ain't exactly been knocking down the door of good teams either. Um, but I like their defense and their significant advantage in the run game to kind of put pressure on Miami in a way that they haven't seen it lately. And Miami's missing Teron Armstead. Well, he's doubtful, so he may not play. And then you got Austin Jackson on the right tackle position. So both of your tackles potentially out in this game against a 49ers defense that uh, gets after the quarterback in a hurry. So the Debo Samuel... Uh, questionable tag is a little bit uh, maybe scary, but Christian McCaffrey was given the green light. So I'm going to take the Niners, uh, but I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover the four and a half, and we will say under 45 and a half. Rids picks. She's liking those home team Niners. Next up, we've got what is probably the other game of the week as the 9 and 2 Kansas City Chiefs, who are 4 and 1 on the road, head to Cincinnati to take on the 7-4 Bengals, who are 3-1 and one at home. And this is a tough game to pick because, like, the easy answer is, well, the Chiefs, they're 9-2. and two. Uh, They've got the better wins this season. They, uh, they're not edging out victories against bad teams most of the time. Um, but both of these teams beat Tennessee in similar low-scoring fashion. Um, but... The way that these two teams have played, the last two times they met, I think both of them were in Kansas City as well. The Chiefs had double-digit leads on the Bengals, and then at half, the Bengals figured the Chiefs out. So it's going to be a very, very interesting game. It's one of the games that I'm definitely going to have my eye on because... There's a lot of implications for the Bills in this game as well. Chiefs average about 30 points a game, uh, give up 22. Bengals are at 26 and 21 in those categories. The Chiefs put up a lot more yardage, though. They're putting up about 50 more yards per game. A lot of that is through the air, but their run game is better, too. And with both Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase questionable, it is going to be a tall order for the Bengals to continue their streak against the Chiefs. And just considering it's the Chiefs, like, are they really going to lose three in a row to the same team the same way? That's really hard for me to believe. And the Chiefs' defense is sneaky good. They're at, if not, uh, excuse me, they're near, if not at, the top of the league in sacks. Um, I'll look that up for you just because I'm pretty sure I saw that the other day. And, you know, I think the Chiefs' defense is just a little bit better than maybe you would expect them to be. And, uh, yeah, they're fifth in sacks at 35. And Joe Burrow is notoriously sacked a lot. At least he has been uh, this season as well. I don't think he's the leader in the league, though because uh, their offensive line has found ways to get him out of that position, but definitely not great. They're still the fifth most sacked team in the league, so I've got to believe that the Chiefs' defense is going to have a little something for Burrow in this game. And beyond that, those two injuries I mentioned to Mixon and Chase are certainly a detriment. Uh, Mixon hasn't played the last couple games, and if he's out, that's a big blow to them. It looks like he's going to want to play Chase too. But if those guys aren't at 100%, like, you need those guys to be 100% to beat the Chiefs. And then beyond that, I think with Isaiah Pacheco starting to come into his own here as the Chiefs lead back, I think they're more willing to lean on 
the run game and actually compete in that area, whereas I think they felt that they needed to throw a little bit too much against the Bengals in their previous matchups. So while I am tempted to take the Bengals here because I figure most people will pick the Chiefs, uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, and they are only two-and-a-half point favorites, so I'll take the Chiefs by the two-and-a-half on the road, and because I hope this is a fun one, we will take the over at 40, no, excuse me, 53. Rids picks. Rids takes the Bengals. Next up, we have the game that was flexed out of the Sunday night game, which is the six and five Chargers who were four and two on the road against the four and seven Raiders who are two and two at home. Now, the Raiders are favored in this game, uh, surprisingly. They're two and a half point favorites at home. And my main suspicion with that is Josh Jacobs basically going nuclear every week and the Chargers having one of the worst run defenses in the league and being pretty beat up uh, on both sides of the football as well. They're missing their center in Corey Lindsley. They're missing Trey Pipkins at uh, right tackle. Mike Williams is still out. I don't even think the Mike Williams injury is the biggest problem for them in the game. It's going to be the O-line injuries, and it's going to be slowing down Josh Jacobs because these teams already played each other earlier in the season in L.A., and it was fairly close. And at the time, like, I was still mostly in the Raiders' corner as, like, these are a pretty good group of guys and a good team. And then they went on to basically curse me the whole rest of the season. Every time I pick them, they lose. So... That begs the question, can I take them in this game as two and a half point favorites? They're five and six against the spread. I don't like that. I don't like that they give up 25 points a game, but so do the Chargers. And the Raiders actually average more points per game, believe it or not. And they average more yards and they give up slightly less yards. So there is a lot of things pointing in the direction of the Raiders being able to win this game. I like Daniel Carlson, too, as the better kicker in this matchup, should it come to that. I always uh, am afraid of offensive line injuries, and those two to the Chargers seem to be massive. But, oh my goodness, am I really going to pick the Raiders again? They are... 61% uh, favorites in this particular matchup. And if they win and they get to 5-7 and seven, and they drop the Chargers to 6-6, six and six, all of a sudden the door is open and their season isn't over. The Raiders essentially have to run the table or at least get to 9-8 and eight here. So they're going to have to go 5-1 and one on the way out. Um, but Derek Carr and Justin Herbert are, you know, in similar company. Herbert's got 19 touchdowns and 7 picks. Carr's got 18 and 7. Uh, Herbert's thrown for 3,000 yards. Carr's thrown for 2,700. But he's only got 300 less yards, but he's also got like 70 less attempts. So philosophy-wise, uh, they're going to lean on Josh Jacobs, who leads the league in rushing, who has 9 touchdowns, and who has basically carried them uh, through this little stretch. I mean, yeah, they lost to Indy. They lost to Jacksonville. They got shut out by New Orleans, but they managed to just stay consistent against Denver. They powered through and beat Seattle. Ugh, I, I guess I got to do it. Um, those those O-line injuries frighten me because it, it gives me the impression that the Raiders are going to have a slight defensive advantage here uh, with those two guys being out. And if the Chargers can't run the ball and they're forced to throw the whole time, it's going to be tough. So ugh, I don't want to do this because it always backfires. And it probably will again, but I'm going to take the Raiders to win and to cover the two and a half. And it's a division game. Eh, injuries, they both give up a lot of points. Let's say over 49 and a half this time. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Raiders too. Okay, we got the second to last game of the week as the... 4-7-1 and one. Colts, who are 2-3-1 and one on the road, go to Dallas, who's 8-3 and three overall, 5-1 and one at home. Dallas is uh, 90% on the ESPN analytics, and I get it. Uh, they've been the better team all season. Indy's still, like, clinging to hope that they might get in the playoffs, but they score 10 points less per game, and they give up three more points. 
they put up less offense and their defense isn't that much better in total yardage anyway I'm having a hard time finding a way for Indy to win this game even if Jonathan Taylor has an amazing game the kind of pressure that they're going to put on Matt Ryan uh, and the kind of speed they have is going to be a real problem it's what I saw in the Pittsburgh defense like JJ or excuse me TJ Watt being out there and the kind of speed that he plays at is going to make Matt Ryan have to play at a speed that he cannot play at so I think well I know Dallas is a significantly faster defense so I would have to think that that same advantage applies uh, in this case and with Micah Parsons uh, being the leader of that defense and running around at the speed he does it's just a game where Dallas has to show up and do what they do, and they'll win. If they come in and they play sloppy and they're not focused and they're looking at stuff like the ESPN analytics predictor that says they're 90% favorites or they're looking at the spread that says they're 10-point favorites in this game, they could lose. Um, and the Colts are fighting for a lot. So I'm going to say that the Colts cover the 10.5, but I will take Dallas to win, and I will keep it under 44.5. Rids picks. Rids likes those Cowboys at home. Well, in the final game of the week that probably should have been flexed out of Monday night if it was possible, we get the 4-8 and eight New Orleans Saints, who are 1-4 and four on the road, headed to Tampa to play the 5-6 and six Buccaneers, who are 3-3 three and three at home. And let's see, ESPN's got this at 60-40 for the Bucks. And... I mean, I can't necessarily get off of that move but you got Antoine Winfield Jr. doubtful Mike Edwards doubtful Sean Murphy Bunting doubtful uh, Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks questionable Tristan Wirfs out on the right tackle position uh, Luke Gottecki questionable Braid's questionable Fournette's questionable Russell Gage is questionable Ugh, those are all really bad signs for a Tampa team that just uh, blew a second half lead and lost to the Browns last week and on the other hand, like, this is not a good Saints team. They're 4-8 and eight for a reason. Uh, Juwan Johnson is out at tight end, so you could get a little bit more Taysom Hill fantasy play out of this game. And you got Marshawn Lattimore's questionable, Pete Werner's questionable, Malcolm Roach is questionable. And if they win and they move to 5-8 and eight and they drop the Bucks to 5-7, and seven, and I think then uh, the Saints go into their bye week after this, so it's the last stand for the Saints. If they lose this game, they don't really have a shot at much of anything. So they got to sell out to win this game. Uh, what I'm looking at, though, is points per game given up. They give up uh, five points more. Uh, they do put up more offense, but they're playing from behind a lot. Uh, and then the defense, they're actually not that far behind in defense. So you got two really comparable uh, defensive units here. But the Saints, like, just got shut out last week. That's ugly. They beat a really terrible Rams team. Uh, and then they scored 10 against Pittsburgh, 13 against Baltimore. So their offense has not been clicking, which obviously is still the case for the Bucks here. And looking at all of those Bucks injuries is concerning. Because if those guys play, if they're, you know, they have the extra day off before that uh, Monday game rolls around. So if they have the opportunity to rest up and get elevated from a doubtful designation to questionable and they end up playing i think that might be enough to fluster a guy like andy dalton uh who has played well this season um but after getting shut out against san francisco you know i think there's some questions and I don't know. I could see why the Bucks are favored here. That injury report is just really scaring me in this game. Uh, and the way they lost that game last week. Like, I think the Saints are probably on par with, uh, excuse me, the Browns. And the Saints at least have the opportunity to run the ball pretty well, especially if Hicks and Vita Vey are out. Um, if those guys are questionable and they play and they can shut down the run game and then force... Uh, Dalton to throw. They'll have a good chance. I don't really want to pick the Saints here um, because I think now that Brady beat them in the regular season, like that kind of that monkey's off his back. You know, 
he's not really playing well, but he's only got two picks, 14 touchdowns, like not Tom Brady numbers at all, but he's thrown for 3,000 yards. They just got to get the ball moving with uh, Fournette. Like if they can run the ball with some success, uh, or even Rashad White, whoever, if they can just take some of the pressure off of Tom, I think overall they have more uh, more experienced talent in the right positions. You know, you still got Evans, Godwin, Julio Jones, all healthy. And Julio Jones, healthy, uh, is a big addition to this offense. So they got to kind of figure out how to use him. They may fold him into some of those, like, tight end kind of routes. Ugh, gross. I guess I got to take the Bucks here, but I do not like it. So, what, Bucks? But they win a close one, and the Saints lose by a field goal? Eh, okay. And we'll say over 40 and a half. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Bucks at home. That's it. I'm not even happy with that uh, stupid Bucks game. I may have to switch it in my uh, my picks depending on how things go. I'll still I'll still live and die by the pick that I made on this show. But in terms of me competing in some of the leagues I'm in, I may pivot depending on how those injury reports turn out. Um, but other than that. That's it. That's the show. Uh, now that it's going to be a full like 16 game schedule again coming up in a couple weeks, the show's going to be slightly longer. Uh, I think I was over two minutes on a couple of those, so my apologies. But we're still under an hour on the show. If you listen to this, uh, I appreciate it. I hope that I've been able to steer you in the right direction more often than not. I'm hoping for myself because I got some leagues riding on uh, some of these picks here. So let's go. Uh, and... As long as you're not cheering for my bills to lose, you're good with me. Uh, And until next time, take care, be well, stay safe, and happy Football Sunday. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. The show is an extension of theshites.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills. Bills.